How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am Eric Name. As always, I'm joined by Frank Madden. And we ended last episode with me complaining about how miserable I was about the Bucks. Uh, really, the whole episode. Um, I, I just was miserable about how poorly they played against the Hawks. And and at the end, I, I hoped that they would they would cheer me up and they would not make me feel super depressed after watching them and frank um they didn't they didn't do very well (laughs) how about that first half (laughs) (laughs) that's one way to look at it sure uh yeah Uh, wait uh yeah Giannis had 21 points in the first half right 21 yep and uh pretty much Giannis's night was maybe a microcosm of the Bucks's. Um he completely vanished in the second half. Foul trouble. I think he was one of eight from the field. Um it wasn't quite as 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 dramatic as against Porzingis, but Embiid challenged him a couple times and seemed to get in his head. And the Bucks have been weirdly good at getting up for games against like veteran stars. Yeah. But Giannis and Jabari have not been able to beat basically any of the young star teams that ironically all aren't very good. Yeah. They got it handed to them in Minnesota. Uh they lost against Porzingis the only time they faced him. Now they get it handed to them by the Sixers at home. Um and then I'm forgetting one other one. What what was the other one we were talking about? I don't, oh God, I can't um Anthony Davis, maybe no. Uh, well, I mean, Anthony Davis did kill them at the BC once, um, although they did win that one game in uh, in New Orleans. But uh, either way, uh, yeah, the Young Bucks not uh, not delivering. Jabari scored, I think, ten points at once. They were down like ten points in the fourth quarter, so we finished twenty three, um, but not in a really meaningful not not very meaningful twenty three. Had a quiet first half. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Bucks started well again. What they got up to a nine nothing lead. The starters I was looking had a seventeen two run uh, in midway through the second quarter to give them a lead that probably should have been ten, but they let Jared Gerald Henderson drive the length of the court and get a layup at the buzzer. Yeah. Uh, so they go up eight, and you're thinking, okay, you know, John Henson miraculously was not getting destroyed by <laughs> Joel Embiid. Uh, I don't think he'd made a shot. He did some hit free throws um, at the half, but they were kind of like bending but not breaking. <laughs> and uh, and then to start the third quarter, pretty much like far too many third quarters of late, they just uh, they broke. They broke. Yeah, yeah. Seventeen to six to start the third quarter for the Sixers. 
Um, and the Bucks obviously tried to answer back a couple times, but a nine to one run to end the third quarter for the for the Sixers, a twelve to two run again in the fourth, a nine to two run. Um, yeah, not not a not a great half of basketball for the Bucks. Uh, they give up sixty seven in the second half, thirty five in the third quarter, thirty two in the fourth, um, and obviously just score twenty four and twenty six uh, by themselves there in in the third and fourth quarters respectively. I'm I'm trying to think I, before we started recording. I I said, man, I'm I'm trying to to find a silver lining here. I'm trying to find um, some sort of positive. And wait, I got one. I got one. What do you got? Uh, the Bucks could have drafted Joel Embiid. Oh no, wait, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, oh. no. I, I mean, it's kind of funny because both, you know. Joel Embiid and Giannis Adetokounmpo could have been teammates in either Philly or Milwaukee yeah. when you when you think about it, right? And and in many ways, I mean, like it's hard to really fault either team that much for not picking the other one. You know, Correct. I mean, it, of course the Sixers would have been infinitely wiser to take Giannis than MCW in in 2013 um, when they picked what like a 12th or whatever they were mm-hmm. picking. Um, but whatever, I mean people you know nobody was thinking that Giannis was was going to be this right Correct. um and similarly you know i mean i don't fault the bucks for being i mean i was a i was a fully on the mb bandwagon before the foot injury um for that for that pre-draft you know i mean yeah yeah like i totally would have said he's the number one guy um but then the foot injury comes is like jesus like look at the history of the guys with this injury he ends up missing two seasons and and so you know it's like one of those things like of course right now the way he looks and you know you don't know his health but of course i'd rather have him than jabari parker but you know at the same time i I don't fault the bucks and let me say a foot injury for that man it would be just so scary i mean any oh my god he's so huge he's Uh, and he's gotten he's gotten even bigger frank today so before the game obviously i'll i'll talk to kid and then i'll go talk to the other coach and there's a spot of the Bradley Center where you'll take like a turn around a corner to get to the opposing coach. I take that corner and beads come in the other way. And we like almost run into each other mainly because I was on my phone tweeting and yeah, well, I get that. Um, so we almost run into each other and then we do uh, like an awkward, like I try to go right. Then he tries to go right and left. Right. And like we do that for a little bit. And then all of a sudden I think to myself, this man is huge. Wait, it, did you did you get dream shook by Embiid in in the tunnel? Is that what you're saying? Or did well, you, I mean, I would have covered it well. Like, did you, I, I, shake, I, did you dream shake Joel Embiid? I mean, technically, possibly. Um, <laughs> but no, like, I I mean, I see I see NBA players all the time. Like, I I talk to Giannis regularly, and every once in a while, I think, okay, I'm holding up this microphone pretty pretty far for Giannis. Like, he's tall, but he is, Embiid is huge like like he has that tall factor that Giannis has and he is just a monster of a man and, and it, it's crazy he's so big so yeah it, that injury a foot injury to a guy that size like yeah that 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 is a scary thing so obviously you can't blame the Bucks for not for not going there and I don't think I I don't think I fault them for that yeah it, it, it's I, I mean I think as Bucks fans, we obviously had the period with Jabari when he came back, right after the ACL, and of course you're, you know, you're worried about the guy, even if you know there may not be a really, you know, a, a real tangible 
a meaningful higher risk of re-injury for him. Mm. I don't think there was at that point. Um, but you never know. I mean, you hear guys, it happens, guys, guys re-tear an ACL. Yeah. Um, guys, guys, you know, get multiple injuries to the same knee and you never know, right? It, it does happen. Um, but with Embiid, yeah, I mean, just the fact that he has only gotten bigger and, and heavier since uh, first breaking the navicular bone in his foot and the fact that obviously they've had, he's had two surgeries and missed two seasons on it. I mean, if I was a Sixer fan, I would just like live in like permanent, like I, I would, I would just be like, like ecstatic and then also just like living in, in permanent fear. How could you watch time. him play without thinking like every <laughs> single moment, like, Oh my God, did he land wrong there? Like, yeah. I, I would, I would just be living in fear. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, he, it, you, you never know. Right. I mean, he could, he could break it again and then be out another year or something like that. Um, given, given just the, I mean, humans are not supposed to be that big and they're not <laughs> supposed to move that way. And uh, as we saw from the Bucks, I mean, it, it was interesting, right? Because, I mean, uh, like that Knicks game, Giannis has a terrific start. He scores the first seven points of the game. Um, you know, he's kind of freewheeling. The Sixers, I thought, were rushing shots. You know, they're kind of putting up threes, you know, not great threes. I mean, obviously, we're, we're generally pro three-pointer, but yeah. they were taking some kind of questionable ones, guys who obviously – maybe are not great three point shooters and the bucks were, you know, getting out and doing kind of bucks things. And, you know, it was freewheeling and open and, and that's where the bucks always looked their best. And, um, you know, Giannis scores 21 points on 11 shots. Uh, didn't even need much help. I mean, he had, I guess what, at one point he had almost half the bucks points. Yeah. Uh, and they go into the half up eight and, and bead, you know, had, it, it was kind of those things like that. You, you knew they were playing with fire. Like they, they, they'd slapped it away from him and he kind of had some awkward things. Maybe it looked like he was fouled. He, I mean, they were fouling him. And then, um, in the second half, it, you know, it, he started to really kind of work them. And I, I thought the most impressive thing though, was defensively. I think the first, I want to say like the first four bucks possessions of the second half, he either blocked the shot or, I mean, he, he, he packed Jabari going for a dunk, diving, diving down the lane, um, was kind of the biggest highlight one, but he, kind of blocked Giannis as well and kind of like an awkward yeah. one that was sort of a block and intimidated forced two other misses um and, I mean and I mean that's really checklist the, kind of stuff like yeah. stopping a Giannis dunk and stopping a Jabari dunk that those aren't things that happen the like me seeing one guy get one of those guys on a given night would be surprising like he gets both of them and, and like you said I think you could tell that they would they were certainly affected by by Embiid's presence in the middle of the floor. Yeah, and I mean, you know, as Kid said in the post game, I mean, they had just played Dwight Howard and and Hassan Whiteside, so it's not like yeah. you know they haven't been playing against shot blockers. I mean, Embiid is not the you know greatest shot blocker, and you know, he's not Bill Russell uh, at this point, but he's really good and he's enormous, right? And, yeah. uh, and definitely a presence. So, um, so yeah, he made it difficult, and then. I mean, I just thought the big difference was in the second half. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the scoring totals. I mean, this wasn't just the Bucks. Oh, you know, the Bucks were just rotating a little bit too slow and, you know, oh, I just couldn't get out. I mean, they were just – they were in shambles, it seemed like, for, yeah. for stretches. And just – I mean, the, the Sixers, as much as they were impatient in the first half, how many – pump fake flybys did, did they get like even when the bucks did seem to almost get a closeout yeah um they uh they ended up it seemed pump faking and, and getting wide open threes that way and 
you know, just some like leaky ass defense and, and and just missed assignments. And I thought Jabari was bad today. I mean, there were pretty much everybody was bad. Um, it seemed like for for much of this game. And you know, Giannis obviously the the best defender on the team. I mean, just foul after foul. And um, he had two two really impressive blocks on Embiid and got fouls on on called on both of them, mm-hmm. uh, including his last one. And I, I, he didn't protest the last one. I didn't see a replay of it. Um, or of the previous, so you know, maybe maybe they were fouls, but you know, looked pretty, pretty impressive, you know, going yeah. up and blocking Joel Embiid. Um, but uh, you know, uh, I think, and here's the thing too, I think there's a lot more angst about this loss because um, people, especially casual fans, you know, still view the Sixers as like this laughing stock, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of. Um, I think there's a fair bit, especially there's like pockets of Bucks fans who are pretty self-righteous about the fact that the Bucks, you know, didn't tank the way the Sixers obviously did. Yeah. And this feeling of like superiority about how the Bucks, you know, that the Bucks didn't, you know, do whatever to we're get not there. Bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're not bad for basketball or whatever the last few years. Um, and that the Bucks have have kind of, you know, been uh, obviously much better than the Sixers the past couple of years. Ironically, the Bucks were worse than the Sixers. <laughs> the year that they got Jabari and yeah. the Sixers got Embiid. Um, but it, it is interesting. There's, it's kind of an interesting subtext to the frustration around losing to the Sixers, especially at home. Um, because, you know, I don't know. I mean, the Sixers haven't played anybody lately, but they've won, what, like six out of seven with Embiid in the lineup. Um, I mean, they've been, def- especially defensively, they've been very good uh, with him on the court. They're a plus team with him on the court, as you mentioned in uh, the preview yesterday. And... Um, you know, I mean, that this is not to say by any stretch that this is like acceptable to, you know, go home in a matinee game that you really want to win and to completely, you know, fall on your face in the second half. I mean, there's no excuse for this, right? No. But but it's also not like, I don't know. I mean, this is a team that if you don't if you don't play your game, the Bucks aren't good enough and the Sixers aren't bad enough that you're just going to walk over them, especially with Embiid playing like he was today. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think that's a really good point. I, I mentioned it last night in our preview, but they're a top five defensive team in the league since December first, and so that that's not a small that's not January first. That's December first. Right. That's a month and a half of them being a top five defensive team in the league. So uh, I, I know during the first half, I was talking to Alex Boulder a little bit, and I said, "Well, the Sixers are are surviving right now." And and that was kind of the big thing, like like you said, Embiid, what well, well, he wasn't going crazy, and yet they were they were in the game, they were right there, and it was just a four point lead for the Bucks at the half, and kind of that whole first half is like, oh, I'm not enjoying watching this game at all. It's ugly. It, aside from uh, that run you mentioned, where um, I think what was it? They went from down forty to thirty five to up. Uh, 48 to 40 so like a 13 to 0 like a 13 0 run there in the second quarter that was one of those times where things opened up they got some steals they got out on the run and and things started to go well for the bucks but aside from that it was an ugly first half and i couldn't help but think this is i mean this is how the sixers are winning games like like they if they just wait kind of for for mb to take over and when he takes over they're great and then those other times they just have to try to survive and against the bucks that's what they did in the first half and then 
like we kind of thought, Joel just exploded there in the second half. So um, I, I thought that was huge. And I guess this game kind of kind of helps highlight some of the the major Bucks weaknesses, or maybe just the the major Bucks weakness of of a center. Like they don't have a center that can handle someone who's in offensive load. Like they just they just don't have a guy that can can bang with them. They they don't have a guy that can handle them on the boards. They don't have a guy that can cover them. So that means Giannis has to come over and try to help protect the rim. And like you mentioned, the fouls that he's picking up aren't aren't him getting blown by his guy in reaching. It isn't him doing something silly. It's him trying to help out. I think, what, one of them comes on a loose ball that he was trying to grab. Two of them come trying to block Embiid. And, well, when you have a, not, I I guess, a smaller guy, uh, uh, his build at least, I mean, obviously Giannis is quite long, but his build is is a little bit uh, smaller. And going up against the center, it's it's not good for him. (laughs) Like, that's just not a good thing. And because he has to fill in for the center, then he gets in foul trouble. And then all of a sudden you don't have Giannis. And you're trying to figure out how to survive in in the third and fourth quarter without your best player. And that's just not a recipe for success. so I, I thought that kind of highlighted that uh, pretty well. And then I, I think, like you said, Jabari scores 10 points in garbage time. Uh, so he had 13 before the final five minutes of the fourth quarter when the Bucks were already down by double digits. Uh, it was weird yesterday to see that game of eight points, nine assists, 10 rebounds, and him, I don't know, experimenting with trying to be more of a passer than – a scorer and uh, I mean like I said for this game I I just want to see him take over as a scorer and I don't necessarily care if it's bad for the offense because I I know one thing him being a passer is not good for this offense like, like deferring to whoever's on the floor when Giannis isn't out there that is bad for the Bucks offense and even when Giannis is out there de- always deferring is not a good thing and it, I mean that was I thought it was a bad performance for Jabari tonight as well was was it Jabari who uh, like screwed around and and ended up dumping it to Henson for like a three with at the shot clock buzzer? Do you remember that play? Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was Jabari. Um, we I mean, it was yesterday. it was one of the two. It was one of the yeah. two because I got some tweets about it, and I, I'm trying yeah. to think back to who it was. If it was Giannis or Jabari, but someone I, immediately tweeted me. A, I yeah. think it was Justin Cape, who's a who's a regular le- listener, and he was like, "That's exactly what you were talking about." And I was like. I, it was. Yeah, I want to say it was. Uh, it was Jabari in my head. I think it was Jabari. But either way, I mean, again, and I, th- I think it happened a couple times in this game that John Henson gets stuck with the ball. Um, and again, you know, John Henson's been also. It's like kind of careful what you wish for. John Henson's been like shooting some jumpers lately. He has. He has made some. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, this is not like what you want out of your offense, and you definitely don't want John Henson getting. You know caught playing hot potato um at the end of a shot clock having to put up a, a 22 23 footer um and and so yeah that was a <laughs> that was a frustrating thing to see um but uh but yeah i don't know i mean it's sort of those things it's like on the one hand i mean you know again you don't want to like kill jabari for a game when he went 23 points on 17 shots but also i mean i think the context even, is very important when you got those points yeah though. yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it's fair. I mean, part of me is just like, I feel like we do this a lot with Jabari, and it's just like, you know, I feel like it's one thing if we kill him for his defense because, like, he's he's kind of always just struggling to be average there, yeah. whereas his offense, we, we kind of take a lot of that for granted probably. Yeah. Um, uh, 
But I, I would say, I mean, the Bucks just sort of got out of what they normally do today. I mean, there was one example, um, I think, I think it was in the first half where Jabari doubled. Embiid was on the on the left side, not not even on the block, and Jabari doubled from off the off the near wing, where I think it was Gerald Henderson. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I mean, a pretty basic principle in you know regular basketball these days is you don't double from one pass away right you don't Correct. you don't double off of the obvious you know strong side kick out pass because it's just too easy to make that pass for an open three and so you know normally what you see from the bucks is they bring the defender the second defender from the baseline side so it's basically the furthest away guy yeah. right so it's you know to, to hit that open guy you'd have to throw it over your head basically across the court into the corner which you know i mean not many guys will will make that pass eventually obviously you can work it around and then stuff whatever but um but that's typically how you know nba defenses now like to like to double right from from a different yeah. direction and and there it was just like you know the bucks were kind of so desperate to try to crowd mb that they you know again got away from kind of some basic stuff you know from one pass away and and mb makes a simple pass and um, and they hit a three and, you know, and they had trouble at times, you know, Greg Monroe was in there. Greg Monroe, I think was a big negative again today. We, we kind of had a similar tune, um, yesterday, you know, saying Greg Monroe, normally the plus minus darling today, mm-hmm. he was a minus 12. Um, you know, Giannis was a, was a net zero, but, uh, he was, I think plus six, 17 in the first half and a minus 17 in the second yes. half. So as, as much as we say, you know, the foul trouble really killed the bucks. And I think it, it, you can definitely make that case because obviously it, it completely throws Giannis out of rhythm even when he's on the court because yeah. he's playing with foul trouble, which isn't a good way for you know a guy who who's aggressive defensively to play. Um, but by the same token, it's not like the Bucks were good with Giannis on the court in the second half or yeah. you know, tolerable, and then everybody else screwed it up. Um, I mean, it was pretty much they went into the can with Giannis on the court and were surprisingly like holding it together, especially late in the third when he went to. Uh, the bench with uh, with the four fouls. So, um, so I don't know what you say. I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I, th- I thought. Um, I mean, you were at the game. You were at the presser. I saw the the clip from Kid. I thought it was rather ironic um, that Kid had the comments about his team not understanding the value of the three pointer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Considering it was considering, ironic. Considering the like, you know, uh, the 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 most common. Um, you know, criticism of Kid is that his defense is too vulnerable to threes, uh, and his offense had, uh, especially pr- prior to this. I mean, this year they're top ten, right? So I mean, obviously, like they found a much more potent um, mix of of threes, and they've increased the number of threes they're they're taking and making, and they're shooting a top ten percent. Yeah, and a lot of positive things have happened offensively, but um, but obviously, you you know, for all his three pointers as a player, you would not say that Jason Kidd has emphasized the modern embrace of the three-pointer as a coach. So there was something ironic, and I think he was saying it obviously from a defensive perspective, um, but it was interesting to see him kind of chide his team for, um, you know, really not getting, giving an effort and not really dedicating themselves to to closing out on threes and defending the three-point line. Yeah, and, and I do think, like you said, throughout this entire year we've talked about how at some point, we're probably going to see teams start to shoot the three better. The Bucks give up a bunch of open threes, and it's probably going to start to hurt them at some point. And uh, in the last few games, I, th- I think maybe we've we've started to see that a little bit. Uh, I think 10-plus threes in 
10 plus threes for opponents in seven straight games, nine of the last 10, 30 plus attempts in four of the last five games. And obviously that, that has something to do with your opponent. And obviously it has something to do with your defense as well. Um, so I, I think we're starting to see some of that. But at the same time, I, I would agree with, with your statement earlier that you saw Jabari make that strange play. And uh, I think just in general, the defense has been poor lately execution wise there's been i don't even know the last what three games we've talked about i've mentioned something about beasley just not really understanding where he is or what he should be doing and leaving mike dunleavy jr for a wide open dunk and the rotations haven't been as crisp and yeah like obviously we've mentioned throughout all this the scheme is at fault for giving up that many threes but the team can also execute poorly, and I think they have been. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been a mess, and I, I do think we're probably to the point offensively where I think I'm going to have to bust out, bust out the hashtag free Mirza campaign, huh? Well, the, are, are we the there? Heart. Are we there? Because I know he, he came in in the fourth quarter, played four minutes or whatever, and missed, what, two threes, um, and generally didn't look good, but – he he's had a a good a, a positive effect on the team throughout this season offensively, and it seems to me that that's always been kind of the idea with Mirza that okay, there's gonna be nights where he misses, but he's spacing the floor, he's giving people uh, more options. So hashtag free Mirza. Well, the the conundrum for the Bucks is that it's not like there's some defensive stopper that they're that they're that they've got lying around on the bench that they could just you know tap the tap the left arm and bring in for you know the guys yeah. that they're playing currently right i mean um you're you're playing brogdon over delhi okay could delhi be better defensively i mean honestly i don't think delhi individually is going to be better defensively than brogdon maybe he might help in some team situations i don't know but that i, I don't thought think both point really... guards were kind of mediocre again tonight yeah yeah, but I mean that that's not like oh you're not going to fix the defense Correct. by putting in Delhi, I don't think. And I, I think if there's a move, it, it's it's a shakeup move um, more than a kind of tactical like this guy's better defensively move. I mean, Toledovic versus Beasley. I mean Beasley should be a better defender. He's more versatile, um, yeah. especially in the Buck scheme. He can close out better. He moves better. But again, I mean if he's kind of you know space cadetting it, then it, it obviously he's not going to help you. Um, and Toledovich, you know, again, it's tough for Toledovich too. I mean, to kind of like dust him off, like for little three minute stretches yeah, to not play three games in. and then do that. Yeah. I mean that, that's tough. Um, and, and, you know, his three point percentage on the season is still very good. Um, so it's not like, again, it's not like he's Delhi who's, you know, shot really poorly all year or something like yeah. that. And especially when you adjust for like the degree of difficulty of Mirza's threes, I mean, you know, he's, he's a phenomenal shooter. He's the best shooter on the team. Um, in terms of you know healthy players and and even if Chris Middleton's healthy, I mean, you know if you have a a, a game of horse, I'm not sure anybody beats Mirza Talatovic. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I think the the one positive we alluded to actually before the Spurs uh, game that they improbably won, I was saying, well maybe you know, maybe they get blown out in San Antonio and then we see a change um, at center. Um, you know, again, I think Henson's just sort of. What, it, what he is, um, I don't think you're really going to go that far with John Henson sort of as your, your starting center. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd be fine just throwing Plumlee in and just sort of seeing what you have. But um, but it's tough to say. I, th- I think the, the, you know, the next game on the calendar is the Rockets. We'll talk more about them tomorrow. But um, 
definitely a very interesting team to go against because a they do the thing that you fear the most <laughs> by opponents. Um, they they had a game where they saw, shot sixty threes this season. <laughs> so all right, we'll, let's see if we can get seventy. We'll we'll see how many threes the Rockets shoot. Um, but it's probably a good time. Um, maybe in some ways it's a good time for the Bucks to plab this game because um, if this game doesn't kind of you know whip them into shape a little bit, uh, you know I'm I'm not sure what will. Um, but uh, but it will be interesting and also interesting because the Rockets play so small. Yeah. Um, with with Montrez Harrell starting at center while while Clint Capella's been out, um, it will be very interesting because this isn't a you know again this is not a typical team in terms of their style and it's not a typical team in terms of some of the lineups they use. Um, I, and I do watch tons of Rockets games because my wife being a Rockets fan, as many people on listen to the podcast know. Um, so my only hope is that Corey Brewer continues to attempt lots of threes, which. He's been horrible at, and uh, I swear to God, I have not seen Corey Brewer make a three-pointer this year. I, <laughs> I keep, I always look it up. He's apparently, I think he's shooting around like 22% or something like that. I swear to God, I've seen him shoot like 30 to 35 threes, and I, I can't remember him making a three. <laughs> so, just, just play, play zero and play nobody on Corey Brewer when he's in the game, and play five on four everybody else that is my official strategy for the book i'm i'm giving away um, the plot for for our next podcast but <laughs> um but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see so I, I don't know what what was your any other thoughts on on kids comments or any other thoughts on on kind of what you heard in the locker room i mean obviously this was um i don't know i mean this was up there for for worst loss of the buck season right yeah um i would say heat loss losing to the heat by 23 was probably worse um but this is this is certainly there because i mean they're what eight point favorites and they lose by nine or maybe flip those or something like it was bad um so kid stuff first time i've ever seen him switch out of his suit uh to do his post game uh he he did his post game in in a hoodie which was which is strange um he, he took a while to come out tonight um and it I would assume, um, especially from the way all the players talked, that they need to have a better effort. And, uh, I mean, three-point defense has kind of been the message for, I mean, a while now. That's been the last couple, probably the last week or so, He that's really been what what he's been hammering on anytime you ask him about the defense. And, uh, I mean, I, that for them to lose that way, to give up a bunch of threes and – for it to go that way again, I think kind of meant that after the game, that was going to be the message that kid was sending to his players. And in turn, that was kind of what the, the what the players said to us after the game was that their, their three point defense isn't good enough. Their effort and focus isn't there and it's got to be better. So again, I, I know there's plenty of people that will say, well, if the scheme didn't give up all these threes, then maybe they won't give up all those threes. But I do think there there's probably some pretty valid complaints on uh, the execution and focus defensively from the Bucks for the last week. But yeah, uh, like, like you said, if this one doesn't wake you up, well, I would say I would add the Rockets one definitely will because <laughs> if your three point well, defense, it'll light, it'll light them up if it doesn't wake them up. Um, correct. So so we'll see. Um, and I haven't checked. Uh... I haven't checked the standings. I mean, this is sort of one of those things like, are the Bucks out of the playoffs technically right now? That's um, wouldn't surprise me necessarily. Uh, they are, they're eighth, 
hanging on by a half game over the Charlotte Hornets of all teams who I I just I I mean we like the Hornets coming into the season. I, I just can't picture the Hornets finishing below the Bucks in the playoff standings. But um but yeah, I mean those those pesky Chicago Bulls. Actually, why are the Bulls I'm looking at the ESPN standings. Why would the Bulls at twenty one and twenty one be listed above the Bucks at twenty and twenty when the Bulls have lost all three games and obviously don't have the tiebreaker against the Bucks? Anyway, so maybe they're seventh. And maybe just because they have more more wins, even though they have the same percentage. I don't know. Anyway, um, losing games to the Sixers at home is bad. I think that's yes. what we can agree on. And um, the the Bucks and their playoff chances uh, will certainly be on a knife's edge if they continue to lose games like this. Yeah, yeah. I I I think that's where we'll have to wrap up. This is this is a rough one. Um, like I said. Just waiting for that day the Bucks get me happy again. Uh, maybe maybe that day is a, a couple days away, or maybe the, that day is just them not playing, and and I can be happy uh, as we record our podcast to get you ready for the Rockets game on Wednesday. So that's going to be it for Lockdown Bucks. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. We will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>